Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. Uh, you ready to talk about a, a new topic? Sure. I think I remember how this all works. It's been a while. We were in <laughs> Las Vegas, and then uh, we, we've had some recorded bits, but uh, we seem to remember how it all works. What, what are we talking about today? Well, I think you and I have both had some uh, somewhat similar experiences uh, recently, although we, we describe them slightly in different terms. Um, I, I've been thinking of the term dueling ladders, and then you, you said, oh, what about the bozo bit? And I went, oh, yeah. For our listeners who haven't heard the phrase before, what's a bozo bit, and, um, and why should they not flip it? <laughs> Sure. So uh, I found this out by looking it up. I didn't actually know. I think you'd actually read the book. There's a book by uh, Mr. Um, James McCarthy. Is that his name? Um, yep. Jim, yeah, Jim McCarthy, McCarthy. That's right. Yeah. Dynamics of Software Development, which is a terrible title compared to the subtitle, which is Don't Fip, Flip the Bozo Bit. And yeah. uh, what the bo bozo bit means, first of all, bozo for folks who might not know colloquial English so well, a bozo is an idiot or a clown, a person who's uh, not thinking well, a person you don't have much intellectual respect for. And um, uh, a bozo bit is the bit that you flip in your in your brain that says, uh, hey, that Jeffrey guy, he doesn't know anything. I'm going to discount everything he says for the future. I'm flipping the bozo bit. I'm uh, uh, setting my, my bozo setting to yes for Jeffrey. And then no matter what you say, I'm going to discount it. Right. What's the point of listening to this guy in the future? Because he's clearly a bozo. Yep. And the, the um, result of doing that is that you really kind of trap yourself. You you really reduce the number of options that you have, which it, on occasion can be useful. So I can imagine situations where it might be helpful to flip the bozo bit so that you, uh, you can discard information from someone. But normally in an Agile team, I, I don't think that's terribly useful, no matter how difficult the person may be. And uh, I have a recent example of that. It's literally from a, a client I was seeing in the past week. And uh, what's happened is that there are two folks who are supposed to be collaborating. They're um, in charge of uh, uh, two different key parts of the Agile team that's supposed to be working together. And uh, person A has decided that person B just really doesn't understand anything, is incompetent at his job, and is useless. And person B has decided not quite so strongly, so maybe flip the bozo bit to like 90%, that um, the other person is uh, uninterested in collaborating, isn't really going to make progress with him. And by the way, it's all hopeless anyway. So nobody's ever going to listen to me. Uh, I can't make any progress. So slightly different bozo bits. But the result of this is that the two of them don't collaborate at all. And um, the, the thing I had to do was to bring them together and uh, knock their heads about a bit and say, look, guys, if you continue in this way, uh, we're not going to get anywhere. The, the change that I'm trying to introduce to help us to go faster is not going to get anywhere. And uh, I need you two to um, shape up and <laughs> figure out how to get on with each other. What was interesting was uh, once I got them thinking that way, and, and they had started to, to understand that this wasn't working so well already um, and had started to reach out to each other a bit, uh, they were able to say some positive things about the other person and to discover that actually there were some real opportunities to collaborate. So um, it, it, it was a difficult conversation, something we talk about a lot. Uh, it wasn't something I looked forward to and said, boy, I can't wait to, to um, bang their heads together a bit. But um, once I did that, once I got them um, out of their habitual bozo bit mode, uh, they were able to collaborate much more effectively. And that was crucial to making the change that we wanted to make. Wow. So hearing this, it sounds like something that I'm sure several of our listeners have experienced before. You'll, you have a, an agile team. Uh, and one of the 
key characteristics there would be people collaborate, but then for some reason you have people on on the team who find that they just can't collaborate or refuse to collaborate, and and the the reason why is because well, what's the point? This these this, these people just clearly won't get it. And and what's interesting is often they have quite strong evidence for their position. And so they'll say, you know, and the last four times I tried to collaborate with this person, he was a jerk and he didn't understand me and he undermined what I did. And, um, you know, they'll have a lot of evidence to support the idea that the bozo bit being set is a good idea. The problem is that no matter how much evidence you accumulate, the bozo bit only allows you to do one thing, which is to ignore the other person. It narrows your (laughs) options. It doesn't allow you to say, actually, no, there's another story here. There's other things I can do. So if you only want to do one thing, if you want to not collaborate, if you want to fail, bozo bit is great to set. If you don't want that, you might want to look for some other (laughs) options. And just hearing, I mean, even your description there is great uh, because you, you can see where that you you have quote unquote evidence, but it's things that you've curated that that come to a certain uh, um, conclusion. And um, the the sort of the, the conclusion you've come to means you would never check with the other person to say, well, hey, how was that for you? Do you have a different view of the world? Because you know you've, exactly. you've already come to this conclusion that's not worth doing. Now, I, I was thinking about this uh, somewhat similar dynamics. Uh, and I was calling it dueling ladders. And I think this is probably something I had in mind because of our, our talk in Las Vegas. Um, and you know, this is the really fun part here, because now we get to say link in the show notes, because they've put up our, our slides in our video from Las Vegas for, from our talk. Finally. Excellent. So if you want even more Jeffrey and Squirrel, you can hear us talk, you can even see us uh, being a bit of a double act in Las Vegas. It was a lot of fun to to perform. But this is at the DevOps Enterprise Summit, where we were promoting our book, Agile Conversations. Pre-order now available. You can actually get the uh, the paperback now, which is fantastic. So please uh, follow the link in the show notes to get the book and watch the video. And uh, what was great was there, we talked a lot about the, the ladder of inference, which we've referenced before. Can you, can you remind us about it? and what uh, dueling ladders are? Sure, and I, I won't recapitulate the entire talk, but the idea is the ladder of inference is how we um, go from something, a stimulus out in the world to a response. That in our heads, we, you know, we select data, uh, we add meaning to it, we, uh, we mix it with some assumptions, come to conclusions and beliefs about the world, and then we act. And uh, the idea is that we're doing this all the time. We're constructing a, a narrative in, a, in, in our head that leads us to our beliefs of the world. And um, our fundamental technique we tell people about is, look, you know, you, if you want to be successful collaborating, you need to uh, share your ladder and you need to be curious about other people's ladders. Now, the problem is, and, and here's the funny thing is everyone agrees with us, like in, in the abstract, everyone we ask and say, what's the best way to collaborate? So you've you're going to share a problem. How should you approach it? Everyone says, well, we should, you know, we want to hear everyone's ideas and, um, you know, I'll add my own. They're still going to be curious and transparent, but then that's not what happens at pra- in practice. And in particular, it, it doesn't happen uh, when people are afraid. You know, if you've heard, you know, fear is the mind killer. Fear, fear is the curiosity killer. It's the transparency killer. It's the thing that kills collaboration. And what I've experienced recently is people who are very um, dynamic, energetic, driven people who are working on projects or at companies that where they really care uh, quite a lot about whether or not the project or company or whatever it is succeeds or fails. And it's that uh, their drive is what's made them successful their whole career. Um, but now they have something that they really care about they and they feel this fear 
it's uh, leading them to um, in reactioning uh, in, a, in a reaction kind of narrow their their vision you know when you're afraid your limbic system kicks in your fight or flight response and you're you're no longer have this broad creative frame of mind instead it's you know you're you're just focused on the the things that you're already attached to and they uh, are then and this is where I get the idea of uh, dueling ladders that they're and see it like the bozo bits. They they look around and if they see that other people are uh, putting what they're doing at risk or at jeopardy, then they don't become curious. They don't become transparent. Instead, this is where the bozo bit flips, and they say, "Oh, you know, this is this person is a threat to what I care about." And they stay at the top of their ladder, and right. then uh, of course the other person does the same thing, and so they only talk about actions, and they only say, and and, and beliefs, and they're they're talking at this very high level, which doesn't allow for any curiosity about how the other person got to their conclusions. Just like if you'd flip the bozo bit. That that's exactly right. So it's a it's a it's a weird thing what you're describing here with this this your experience recently. It it resonated a lot with this. Um, these different people I've been talking to uh, in in very different situations, but the the commonality was their um, the kind of you know pain that they were feeling and the, the how they felt stuck in their situation and it and it went back at root to this idea that um, they were uh, at the top of the ladder and they were kind of stuck there. They weren't aware of this uh, until we spoke and we talked through the kind of their fear and attachment. And once we what soon as we did that and they realized what was happening. It was like okay, that that unlocked the door for them. Now they realize, oh, okay, they can step back and say, oh yeah, you're right. I can see now how, uh, you know, a number one, yes, I do care about this, and and b, yeah, I can see how that has led me down this path of of being less transparent and less curious than I that I know would be effective. So it's a it's a, a irony where it doesn't even if you know all this, you you believe the right thing about how to collaborate. Uh, as soon as you get in a situation where you feel like the the uh, result really matters, you suddenly become unable to act in the way that you claim is the best way to act. Absolutely. So the curiosity was really shut down for my two people, and uh, I can certainly say that in in their situation, they're they're they care very very deeply about making the changes that we're tra all trying to make together, the transformation we're working on, and I, I think that. It's a good insight that that's actually contributing a lot to setting the bozo bit, which ironically, and in this kind of human tragic way that, that happens to all, to all humans, the, the bozo bit actually makes it more difficult for you to achieve the outcome you want because you're working at this opposite, at the top of your ladder, you're arguing based only on actions. You can't understand the other person. It makes collaboration impossible. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think that this is something we both experienced, and, and something we, we we cover in our in our talk. We, we we say you know what what to do about it. Can we give a very brief guide to our listeners? It's unfair to to leave them with with nothing to do and only say go listen to our talk or buy the book. Um, that that wouldn't be the kind of podcasters we are. What what would we recommend? Um, because it's very difficult to flip off your bozo bit to just say okay now I'm going to believe this person has good intentions and and uh, a brain, and a functioning brain. How can how can you get yourself back to that curious state? Well, let's let's actually give them two different uh, scenarios. One where um, they're observing this kind of conflict, uh, and the second if they're if they're one of the people in conflict, because I think those are slightly different Ooh, I, things. I like that. Excellent. What can they do? Well, uh, you know, the, what I've what I've seen be effective in when people are 
um, experiencing the conflict if you're if you're the third party. Um, and then what I find to be useful is to is to go back to this issue of the core the core element. Do do we uh, all agree that we want this to succeed? Now usually that's <laughs> that's that's that's, that's uh, almost always almost one hundred percent. Do you get people saying yes to that uh, when there's this conflict? Now, now, maybe not. Now, that would be really interesting if you find out that one of the reasons that someone's in conflict here is because they think that what you're doing is something that's a bad idea. And they've been saying, no, look, I've been trying to tell you all we should not do this. <laughs> you're just not listening. But um, first, you know, you, you, you test that alignment that, look, in fact, we all have this common ground. We want this to succeed. And then um, start ask people, you know, uh, you might start this independently. Say, you know what, you're, you're, you're arguing your case very strongly. Can you help me understand what what you're afraid of? What would be what's the bad thing that would happen if we don't do what you're saying? And so you become curious uh, explicitly about this is or sort of unspoken thing. If we don't do what you're describing, what what would what would occur? And mm-hmm. uh, when you when you can draw this out of people, uh, maybe first independently, but then later put them together, uh, and people start understanding what what's motivating. Uh, the other person, then I, I find that can be very helpful. This is a, a way of drawing out the ladder of inference to the person because you essentially are working backwards, you know, saying, well, if we don't take this action, then I have this belief about what's going to happen based on on these various elements. So that's the, that's the, that's, I find a good way conversationally get into it uh, for, for um, if you're a third party. And how about if you got the bozo bit set yourself? What what can you do about that? I have some guesses, but I'm interested in what you well, think. Well, I, I want to hear I want to hear your version. You've you've been you've been thinking about the bozo bit uh, more than I have. So if you have a something at the top of your head, I'm, I'd love to hear it. Sure. Well, I, I haven't had it set very very much for myself because I've kind of trained myself out of doing it. But that's very hard. Um, so I can't think of too many cases where I've I've dealt with it myself recently. But what I'll counsel people to do, what I'll suggest to people that I'm coaching, um, and it's very difficult. I don't suggest in any sense that it's easy. Is uh, to um, to to try distancing yourself from the situation a bit. Um, writing down the conversation you're having is often very helpful for beginning to think about it as somebody else's conversation. It's that guy squirrel over there, whoever he is, um, <laughs> he's doing this thing that helps. Um, and then uh, trying to develop some curiosity. How the heck can you be, even if you have to start with, how the heck can you be so stupid? How could it be that you came to this conclusion? You probably don't want to share it in precisely those terms. But if you can start to develop even the smallest amount of curiosity about how the person uh, got to the conclusions that they have, that can be the start to a helpful conversation. But you're, you're going to have to hear some some evidence that's different. You're going to have to have an experience that's different from what you're having today. And what you're having today is probably exactly the uh, dueling ladders that you're describing where um, you're, you're simply advocating. So uh, trying to switch entirely over to curiosity and inquiring is probably going to be helpful. And uh, when I've gotten people to do that, it can be quite difficult to get them to that state. Why should I bother asking questions to this person? They're obviously clueless. Um, they're obviously not interested. Getting them to question that um, is difficult. That's difficult emotional work. It's, it's hard to um, suspend your disbelief for long enough to, to be curious. But when you can become curious, you often learn all kinds of interesting and surprising things. Yeah, I, I like that uh, approach. And I think I, I agree that anything that you can do to get yourself into a curious frame of mind can can uh, you know break the spell of uh, of being up there at the top of your ladder and thinking that your your you know your view of the world that flipped pose a bit is is the truth as opposed to your uh, decision 
and help you learn more about the other person. I'll, I'll be curious, actually, I think we, we have a, a listeners out there who probably wrestle with something similar. I'm curious what kind of tricks they've come up with to um, get themselves uh, uh, to become curious in places where they had uh, flipped the bows a bit. Uh, I, I, I would really love to hear more techniques that people use. I imagine there's a bunch of different tricks that people use to get themselves into a different frame of mind. And we'd definitely like to hear about those. So so thanks for listening to the podcast. And uh, we, we definitely would like to hear from you. You can find us at uh, troubleshootingagile.com, where it's a nice re- revised site. It has all the links to the book and all kinds of other fun stuff. And, of course, ways to get in touch with us by email and carrier pigeon and whatever else you can think of. And, of course, we also like it when uh, folks subscribe to us. So do click a subscribe button in whatever app you use because we're pretty reliable. I think we, we haven't missed a Wednesday in, in a long time. Even if we sometimes uh, pre-record, we we definitely uh, haven't missed one in a while. And you can hear us every week. And um, we'll be talking more about uh, your experiences with Bozo Bits if you share them. Excellent. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Grant.